0: Over the past two weeks, protests have erupted across Iran. As many as 86 towns and cities have witnessed demonstrations. Women have burnt their hijabs, cut their hair and demanded greater agency over their bodies and country. Men have marched and chanted alongside them. Iranian authorities responded to these acts of dissent with a ruthless crackdown. Hundreds have been arrested, over 80 killed disproportionate force and live ammunition are being deployed against protesters, many of whom are just teenagers. The protests were sparked by the brutal killing of 22-year-old Massa Amini. Will her death become Iran's tipping point? Will the movement she inspired precipitate greater freedoms for women and men? Has Iran been irreversibly changed forever? I'm Rosie McCabe. Welcome to The New Arab Voice.
1: Well, you know, the death of Mahza Amini really touched a lot of Iranians for a number of reasons.
0: This is Susan Tamasebi, an Iranian feminist and women's rights activist. Susan runs an organization called Femina, which supports women human rights defenders and organizations in the MENA region.
1: People could identify with her situation and with her innocence. You know, she had gone to, she's from Kurdistan, the city of Sakez, and she'd gone on a family vacation to Tehran, which is a big city, and was out with her brother when the morality police stopped her.
0: At a metro station in Tehran, Masa and her brother Kirash were attacked and beaten by the city's notorious guidance patrol. The so-called morality police then took Masa away for allegedly violating strict rules on women's clothing. For supposedly wearing her hijab incorrectly, she was taken downtown to Tehran's Mozart detention center.
1: She kept telling the morality police, please don't arrest me. I'm a stranger. I'm a stranger to the city. I think that has also really struck a nerve with people watching and especially people in the provinces who could, you know, felt that, you know, she was so innocent and just really um, targeted in an unfair manner. Distraught.
0: Massa's brother was waiting outside the police station for his sister. He was told by authorities that Massa would take a briefing class, a state-mandated lesson about the hijab. The lesson should have taken one hour. Kirash later told wire what really happened.
2: When I got to the front of the building, there were 60 or 70 people there carrying clothes for the detained women inside. After a few of them were released, we suddenly heard screams. All of a sudden... The agents rushed out of the building and attacked us with batons and tear gas. My whole body is black and blue and my eyes have been burning since last night. Five minutes later, an ambulance left the building.
0: Eyewitnesses said Massa was beaten inside the Morality Police van and at the police station, according to the Iran Human Rights Monitor. The brutal attack resulted in Masa falling into a coma, according to reports. Her family was told at the hospital that she could not be saved. Just days after her arrest, on
1: September 16th, Masa Amini was dead. So this young woman journalist by the name of Nirufar Hamedihi, who broke the story, and she'd done previous stories on the violent enforcement of the hijab by morality police before, she published it in, a, in an Iranian daily. But she also took pictures of Masa laying in the bed in coma and also pictures of her family hugging each other in the, this empty corridor of the hospital and put that on her social media. And these pictures went viral.
0: In the pictures, Masa's swollen face is connected to a tangle of tubes and wires. Her brother, who saw bruising on his sister's face and legs, said authorities did not allow him to film in the hospital. Despite evidence from eyewitnesses and the trauma endured
1: by Massa's family, the authorities wanted to go with a different story. They kept saying, Oh, Massa had a heart attack, Massa had other health conditions, they said she had a stroke, they said she had epilepsy, you know, she'd had brain surgery, stuff like this that, you know, that the family kept consistently denying, vehemently denying, and asking for accountability.
0: The authorities' description of events was rebuked by many. Across Iran, people were outraged by the notion that once again, the morality police would get away with murder.
1: So at the funeral, people gathered. They'd already heard the story and they gathered and there was a protest at the funeral and women took off their hijabs. And two slogans really emerged from this protest that I think also struck a nerve with Iranians. One was something that apparently was written on her gravestone that said, Gina, which is her given name, which is her her Kurdish name. And Gina, you haven't died, but your name will turn into a symbol for resistance. And then also women took off their hijabs during the funeral. And in Kurdish, they said, you know, a death for a hijab. How long will we endure this humiliation?
0: Students and women's groups immediately announced protests after the funeral. For them, NASA's death was just the tip of the iceberg grandmothers mothers daughters had lived under an islamic republic that limited their movement and opportunities for years their clothes are not a matter of individual choice but a symbol of the state and an arena of criminality and control
2: you you see from the outset of this regime that the suppression of women misogyny or the sort of the ideology of male supremacy is Deeply baked into the ideology and, and the essence of what this regime is.
0: This is Sanam Naragi Andalini, the founder and CEO of the International Civil Society Action Network, which supports a network of women's organizations involved in peace building, addressing extremism, and promoting equal rights.
2: They brought forward Sharia as the law, of, as the constitution of the land, and then their interpretation of Sharia again really embeds discrimination against women.
0: With the 1979 revolution, the newly formed Islamic Republic instituted a set of legal codes based on their interpretation of Islamic laws. Thereafter, it became compulsory for women to wear the hijab. Reversing years of relative freedoms, women who were once able to choose their clothing had to cover up. Paramilitary groups were deployed to enforce dress codes, arresting individuals thought to be wearing something deemed inappropriate or un-Islamic. My
2: mother's generation were out in the streets for months protesting against the mandatory hijab at the time. And the response from the regime had used to be, or that the way people would describe it, was they would say rusari ya tusari. And rusari means your hair covering, ya means or, tusari means or you
0: get hit on the head. Violence has been a routine response from Iranian authorities over the past forty-three years. And yet, forms of resistance have continued.
2: Women through activism, through women's movements, activism, but also just through the, it's just like a public, it's like a river that just started flowing, have been pushing back and pushing back and pushing the scarf back and the inch, you know, one inch back here and one inch back there and making the coats tighter and, and really kind of having an implicit or explicit dialogue with the regime saying, we don't want this. And the regime has played different games. They have at some times, they have come in very heavy at other times, they've let it loose, but then at, like, at the summer, in the summer when it gets warm, they've kind of sent their morale police these patrols around to pick up women and then set the example to say, you know, don't go so far.
0: The enforcement of hijab laws are arbitrary. Sometimes women uncovered or partly uncovered return home safely. Others are subjected to violence and humiliation because of their clothing. Massa's mother said her daughter was covered. But this instance of Picking up a young woman
2: who just happened to be going on the metro, who's not making any show or, I mean, just there's like, there's nothing, just an ordinary person walking down the street and then being so badly beaten up that she ends up in a coma and dies. It just, it's like a volcano of rage, I think, that comes from deep inside millions of people, especially millions of women and and across generations.
0: One Iranian woman interviewed on the street summed up this fear and frustration. I'm afraid of seeing the morality police. I think it's a useless thing. They should let the people choose like all the other countries. Each person should choose what she likes. So far, authorities have not been held to account for Massa's death. This brutality, this senseless loss of life, this crisis of impunity amongst authorities has upset and outraged people across Iran, like a seismic tectonic event, people have gathered in their thousands. Demands such as holding masses murderers to account, eliminating hijab laws and dismantling the morality police have morphed into a wider movement against
3: the state. This time we're seeing something much more organic and general.
0: This is Hadi Gehemi, the founder and executive director of the Centre for Human Rights in Iran, based in New York City.
3: It did not start with a specific event, that of Mahsa Amini and its specific grievance, which is repression of women, half of the country, in many forms. But it quickly has expanded to a huge nationwide protest where, what is interesting, they don't come to one central location. Actually, during the past week, everybody demonstrating within their local neighborhood to make it harder for riot police and estates security forces to move around if they have many, many locations to cover. And from that, we see that it involves from north of Tehran, south of Tehran, east, west, every kind of socio-economic background. The same thing in other cities and towns. So sense of unity is what we keep hearing is really new here.
0: Protests have rocked Iran repeatedly since the revolution. In 2009, a round of demonstrations known as the Green Movement followed the re-election of Conservative President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. The protesters were primarily led by the middle class and university students. Authorities sent in security services and paramilitary groups to arrest, beat and kill protesters. Reports of torture and rape emerged from the prisons where protesters were held. In 2019, a rise in gas prices triggered the most sweeping and violent unrest since the revolution, At least 180 people are believed to have died during the demonstrations. Most of the unrest was concentrated in neighbourhoods and cities populated by low-income and working-class families, according to reports at the time. Today, protests are led by a younger generation with a deep discontent with the state and a feeling there is
3: nothing to lose. This generation has grown under social media and internet age. Therefore, it's much more politically mature savvy and it's much more direct in what it wants we just interviewed a high school teacher about the protests going on by high school students and she says this generation again knows what it wants it's not shy it's not fearful and basically they are carrying the collective experience of the previous generations that anyone who came of age since 1979 has never been able to fulfil their personal or collective potential. Generation after generation has faced a situation in the Islamic Republic where they have not been able to have a positive view of the future and their personal lives under constant deterioration, economically, professionally, any opportunity.
0: This is an epochal moment, when the younger generation is reclaiming and pushing back. It is also historic, said Sanam in terms of male allyship this time you see it this has been led by
2: women it's being led by young women and young girls in, in in many cases and the guys are there of the footage that I've seen it's you know you'll see a, a security guy plain clothes guy coming up to some w- woman randomly and either insulting her or wanting to hit her and then you see the images of the men coming Ordinary men, again, coming and defending her and, and telling the, the security guys to go away. So that part, I think, is really a shift. And, and I think that's a really important moment if it continues, that we see women leading and men
0: walking side by side with them. Again, Sanam reiterated that a sense of unity across different classes, backgrounds and genders has been crucial.
2: I mean, the, the unity factor, what's really important is that it's about men, women, Across ethnic, religious, class, all these divisions that often exist, this, this is not, we're not seeing those divisions. And, and, and in fact, in 2009, we didn't see it either. But it's so easy from the outside to say, ah, oh, this one was a, you know, this girl was killed because she was Kurdish or this one was killed because she was Turk. No, they were killed because they were women.
0: The protesters are fearless, said Suzanne, but not
1: invincible. You know, there is the sense of omnipotence. When you're young, right, people, you know, people don't think they're going to get killed if they go and protest. They don't, you know, I think that fearlessness comes from both the sense of extreme frustration and anger at the political process and the lack of the sense of hopelessness that I think a younger generation has in terms of where it's going, where its future is going and and the demands that it has and the incredible gap between what it wants, how it sees its future and what the Islamic Republic is proposing.
0: Rather than listening to these concerns and calls for change, however, Iranian authorities have treated the prospect of concessions as a slippery slope to their demise. There have been multiple reports of internet shutdowns and access to WhatsApp and Instagram have at times been partly restricted or blocked. At least 83 protesters are confirmed dead, according to human rights groups, a much higher figure than the 41 deaths amongst protesters and security services reported by the state. Hundreds of people have also been arrested. Twenty-eight of them journalists, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists.
1: Every activist has been targeted. Everybody that they think could potentially play a role in continuing these protests or fueling them or publicizing them has been targeted in arrest. From political activists to journalists to human rights defenders to women-human rights defenders. And, but women-human rights defenders have been, uh, scores of them have been arrested. And we put out a publication a couple of days ago documenting 12 of them who had been arrested. The majority of them, the, at least that first report, are from Kurdish areas, including, you know, Gina modares Gorgi, who's a longtime activist, well, very well-known activist, And she was in Kurdistan, she has a bookstore, and she has a history of, you know, also writing, working in the cultural sector. But she was also um, working on violence against women and was part of the One Million Signatures campaign. So,
0: The One Million Signatures campaign is a movement led by Iranian women calling on the state to address discriminatory gender laws. Starting in 2006, activists have been attacked and jailed for their involvement
1: she was threatened she was called at the beginning and threatened and said you know you better not go to protests and you better stop your activities and she wrote this very moving piece and said you know this Gina has died and she we have the same name and it could have been me and and she basically refused to refuse the request of the security forces and she was arrested and she has called was able to call on Sunday this past Sunday and tell her family that she's being held in a detention center for a youth detention center with 10 others. I don't know if the 10 others are 10 other women or 10 other human rights defenders, but that the situation and the conditions are abhorrent and that she's going on hunger strike. Evan
0: Rusty, Lina Abbasi, Mansura Muzavi, among many others, have been arrested, according to FEMA. It is crucial, says Susan, that their plight
1: does not go unnoticed by the international community. But I think it's important to pay attention to all of the human rights defenders who've gotten arrested, especially the lesser known ones, and then ordinary people, and keep highlighting their cases until they're released, bringing attention to their cases so that they benefit from some level of safety. We know that Families are afraid to talk about people who've been arrested because they're threatened, but it's, it's upon us to keep bringing up their names, even if we don't have a lot of information about them, to make sure that there's some level of protection for them. What can, must the international community do?
3: It's essential that the international community gives a clear message to them about the rights of protesters, to freedom of expression and assembly. And this should not really be looked at just as a favor or on a moral ground or ethical ground for Iranian people. This is about the stability of the region. Iran is one of the largest countries. And if it falls into chaos, it would not be to anyone's benefit. It's best to realize here are people demanding change, and they should at least have the most basic freedoms that I think even Russians, to a certain extent, under Putin have, which is at least three or four of them get together and be able to talk in their private space and put out a public statement. That is Even that kind of action is not possible in Iran today.
0: This will be very difficult, to say the least. Tehran has consistently rebuked any criticism of its human rights record. Just recently, President Ibrahim Raisi accused the West of adopting quote, double standards, end quote, on human rights during his first-ever UN appearance. He slammed Western countries for staying silent on the killing, quote, of defenceless women, end quote. On top of this, a tranche of sanctions following the US withdrawal from the 2015 nuclear deal has cut off the Iranian economy from the US and Europe. Frustrations have been mounting over attempts to finalise a new nuclear agreement for months now. But, in light of the current social context in Iran... Should talks be abandoned altogether? Gehemi again.
3: be a real disaster, let's say, if tomorrow P5 Plus 1 comes out and says we have reached a deal. It would pour in a lot of money into Iranian government coffers, which makes it more empowered to carry out its repression. So I highly recommend to US and Europe not to rush into a nuclear deal, not because the deal by itself is a bad idea, but the timing of it, especially the fact that they have been going through this for 18 months, uh, it is not as urgent. What is urgent is to put a coalition of international community to in multilateral forums, especially there is UN General Assembly just going on. It should collectively take a stand. There is the Human Rights Council in Geneva that again can be... Uh, use and a special mechanism such as the Commission of Inquiry be created that puts the Iranian government on notice that the world is watching and not approving of use of violence.
0: Whether global, collective and sustained action would make a tangible difference in Iran remains to be seen. Already, world leaders have come out to condemn the crackdown by Iranian authorities and protesters, including US President Joe Biden. And today, we stand with the brave citizens and the brave women of Iran who right now are demonstrating to secure their basic rights. But the Iranian state has shown little leniency. If anything, they've cracked down harder, conducting night raids on the homes of activists, journalists and lawyers. Nevertheless, Iranians, facing great risks, continue to take to the streets and social media to make their voices heard.
3: What will come out of it, I'm not going to be a fool and predict, but uh, I'm just counting on the political maturity of Iranians in light of the 1979 revolution, that it will improve and there will be a peaceful transition. Uh, And a lot of it depends on, again, on the young men who are given guns to act as security forces in Iran. Will they put down their guns? Uh, and join the people. That call is being made and people realise that is the way that a peaceful transition be made possible.
0: Herein lies the key question. Will Iran's decision makers, those who wield power, listen to the voices of dissent and choose to rule by consent rather than the barrel of the gun? Has Iran passed a point of no return after Massa Amini's death? Or will things go back to
1: the way they were? final words to Suzanne. So I think it's going to be very hard to to push these young women back after this. Female students have been harassed and continue to be harassed and they're taking their hijab off and their beautiful long hair, you know, and they're showing this. And, you know, I I don't know what will happen. I, I hope that these protesters will achieve some of their demands. And I hope that we have serious political change that, Response to the true aspirations and demands of the Iranian people and especially of this younger generation. They really need it.
0: That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to the New Arab Voice. This episode was produced and written by me, Rosa McCabe, with additional help from Hugo Goodrich and Aisha Aldress. Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The new era voice is putting down its microphone and taking a short break. We will be back with a new series of episodes on October 28th. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on our major podcast platforms. And if you have any comments about the show, ideas that you'd like us to look into, or if you just want to say hi, you can message us on social media. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news from the region.